This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey, friends, here's what's happening at Write From The Deep. Of course, thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. You help make this podcast possible. If you aren't a patron and want to add your support, please visit patreon.com forward slash Write From The Deep. We'd sure appreciate it. We would. And a big thank you to our June sponsor of the month, Wendy L. McDonald. She is a writer, a poet, a podcaster, a photographer, and a nature lover. And even more, she has a special free gift for you all, our listeners out there. And the gift is 10 good habits to help you become a great listener. And I seriously think this is something that we all need. (laughs) We'll have a link in the show notes. And it's my turn for the wonder as spring has progressed here, which has been fast. We went from being in the 60s to suddenly being 92. But (laughs) things have been popping up out of the ground, things that I didn't plant, that the previous owners clearly planted, like an ocean of yellow irises. (laughs) They are just beautiful and huge. These things are huge in peonies and hydrangeas and all kinds of things are just suddenly sprouting into life because it's spring. And that just has put me in mind of how God loves to surprise us and give us little gifts when we don't expect it. Here, the people who own this home before us planted these things and enjoyed them for who knows how long, but now they're coming up to delight us. And it's such a gift to have happen and a nice little surprise each day as I go out to explore and see what new thing is coming to life. Mm-hmm. As you go through your days, be aware of the ways that God is trying to surprise you and to delight you. Yes. And now, here's the show. Welcome, writers. We're delighted that you're here with us in the deep. You know, as writers, you've probably learned that there are many important elements in a good manuscript. Oh, things like plot and character and conflict, great hook, a voice, authenticity, dialogue, anecdotes, arc, you know, on and on, right? But for a manuscript written from a Christian worldview, I wonder, which element do you think is the most important or Is there one most important element? Well, of course, you know, the answer is yes, but it's none of those that Aaron just mentioned. If you're writing from a Christian perspective, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, children's books, devotionals, the most important thing you have to bring to the world is hope through Christ. Why? Well, hope is the foundation of everything we believe as Christians and everything we have to offer the world. Yes, but what even is hope? How do we define it? I think that can be tricky and slippery. So let's look at some definitions. Emily Dickinson wrote, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul. Mm. Now that's great. That feels good and it evokes a positive sensation. And so I think when readers finish a manuscript written from a Christian worldview, there should be a positive sensation, even in the midst of something sorrowful. 
However, this is kind of a nonspecific definition. We can't try to foster something nonspecific in a manuscript other than a positive sensation. Psychiatrist Neil Burton, in an article in Psychology Today, defines hope like this. Hope is a desire for something combined with the anticipation of it happening. It is, in other words, the anticipation of something desired. If someone desires something, that implies they don't have everything they want right now or that everything isn't exactly perfect. Indeed. Counseling psychologist Kim Bailey, she said hope on a more personal improvement level is the belief that... I can gain ground this side of heaven. And Mm. I liked that. But I think one of the simplest ways for us as writers to think about hope is how a sociologist put it. And this sociologist just happens to be my husband. (laughs) And (laughs) he said when he thinks of hope, he defines it as how the future can be better than today. Now, I like that because it evokes a positive sensation, but it's a bit more specific in how. And this is the kind of hope we're talking about how the future can be better than today for our readers. Because how many of you listeners write fiction? And what kind of fiction are readers interested in? The kind where the characters all have a great life with no pain or trials or struggles? Yeah, not really. <laughs> Do they want happy people in happy land? No, that's that's just not interesting or real. Readers can't relate to that. Not many of them, anyway. Readers want to see our characters struggle and toil and fight against all odds and overcome. Right, that's the key. Overcome. Why? Because readers experience that with them, the struggle and the danger and disaster, and then the victory. The readers live this vicariously. And do you know what that becomes inside the reader? It becomes hope. The future can be better than today. And how many of you listeners write nonfiction? You're not writing memoirs that end in a place of despair and discouragement. That's a therapeutic journal, and that's good to do, but it's not something you want to publish. You don't want to get your readers so depressed by what you're writing that they find out that they have to go to therapy to recover from it. You write the book for readers when you find the key to overcoming the discouragement when you've gained wisdom to share. That's right. And you're not writing prescriptive books that are like, yeah, I know the place you find yourself in is lousy. Sorry, I don't know how to fix that. You know, that's not prescriptive, right? Those are not the type of books hurting people are looking for. And you're not writing how-to articles or whatever you're doing to keep people in ignorance. You're not writing poetry to make people feel awful inside and that never points the way out. No, even if we start by saying hard things, We want to lead our readers to think and grow and change and move towards some kind of positive outcome. Right. We want readers to expand their minds and look at possibilities and be inspired that the future can be better than today. As Christians, hope infuses us. In Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, The Message, he wrote this in the introduction to First and Second Thessalonians. The Christian faith has always been characterized by a strong and focused sense of future, with belief in the second coming of Christ as the most distinctive feature. The practical effect of this belief is to charge each moment of the present with hope. This is who we are. This is what we do. We're Christian writers, and we have an unswerving belief that the future will be better than today. We portray this message over and over again in our writings, in our novels, our memoirs, our how-to articles, in everything that we put on paper. We want people to grow and learn and move forward. 
Right. If a book is going to reflect a Christian worldview, it has to reflect the hope. And I'm talking now about the hope of God's overall plan of redemption for humanity and all creation. I love macro editing. So let's look at the big picture here. This underlying foundation of what's happened. God created us in the beginning, right? Is perfectly ordered design. We all have right relationship in the Garden of Eden. And then we fall, we sin, we break everything. The ground is cursed. But then comes redemption. Christ comes and changes everything. This is where we live, right? But we're still dealing with the consequences of the fall. We don't have heaven yet. That's coming, the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. But right now we're living in this redemption time where Christ is living in us. He's redeeming things, but we're not perfect. We still are living in this difficulty of this world. That's the backdrop. But this is where we're going. The hope, we're just not there yet. We're dealing with the painful toil. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. And we're struck down, but not destroyed. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why aren't we abandoned and destroyed and crushed? It's because of our hope. It's not because we're these amazing and mighty people, but because we're weak and dependent on God, who is Lord of all. We persevere because God's commitment to us is unwavering, not because of us, but because of him and his commitment to us. He's lifting us. He's sustaining us. He's giving us the life and breath to carry on. He sees the grand design beginning to end, the big picture, and he sees each individual component. Each and every person, you, me, everybody, every tear, every heartbreak, every crushing wound. God does not waver in the face of any of that in his commitment to us. He will not fail to sustain us. That is our hope. And this is the message he gives us for the world. Right. The future can be better than today because we have a God who will make it so, who is making it so. You guys, with every word we write, we forge hope because hope is at the core of everything we believe. Do you understand what happens when someone has no hope? Pastor and author Ray Johnston puts it like this. He writes, when people lose hope, they lose their ability to dream for the future. Despair replaces joy. Fear replaces faith. Anxiety replaces prayer. Insecurity replaces confidence. Tomorrow's dreams are replaced by nightmares. It's a lousy way to live. So how many people do you think are living like that right now? Psychiatrist Neil Burton writes, hopelessness is both a cause and a symptom of depression and within the context of depression, a strong predictor of suicide. Do you guys see what an important role you have? You're hope bringers, you're truth tellers. But why is this truth, this hope that we as Christians have important? I'll tell you why, because false hope is rampant in this world. Think about it. Scientology, Buddhism, Mormonism, Hinduism, Islam, just for starters. The hope from those philosophies leads straight to hell. And just watch TV for 10 minutes. You'll find hope for sale. Beer, toothpaste, perfume, pretty cars, deodorant. Buy this product. Your life will be perfect. All of those things act like hope, promising you that your desires will be satisfied. But that's not true. What they are promising is ultimately false hope. It's empty. 
right? None of those things can deliver what God has designed for him and him alone to be, to deliver, to satisfy. Psalm 65, 5 says, God is the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. It's God, not shiny trinkets. And, you know, I'm not saying that toothpaste and deodorant is bad, okay? (laughs) But what we are saying is that those hopes are false and they're not going to take away the pain of a lost child. They're not going to heal the deep wound of betrayal or abuse. It's not going to help anyone break the spiral of addiction or debt. And it's not going to inspire anyone to take a stand against human trafficking or oppression or injustice or any of the other great evils in this world. Take your pick. There's so many to choose from. It's sad, but false hope is rampant in our world. So we as Christian writers cannot keep silent about that. Through your authentic words on the page, through your stories and Bible studies and articles and biographies, through every word that comes from your pen or keyboard, all those things that God puts in you are a part of his master plan for you, but not just for you, for the body of Christ and for the whole world. You have a purpose and a job, your heralds of hope, true hope. And you don't have to have some character in your novel spelling out the four spiritual laws, okay? You don't have to have them preach, and you don't have to somehow, you know, turn your homeschooling article into a Bible study. You don't. But you do have to understand what your bottom line perspective is. Think of it as the overarching theme of your collective body of work. And I love how author and editor Susan Bell defines theme. She says, it's an idea written in invisible ink on the back of your text, Guys, hope is what's written on our lives as Christians, and hope needs to be what's written across the pages of our manuscript. Hope is why you're getting up at 5 a.m. to write, or staying up late after the kids are in bed, or what you're dictating during your coffee break, or on your exercise break, or what you're wrestling with on your commute. And we do mean wrestling. We all know, or we'll find out soon enough, that this is not an easy job. It's hard. Learning the craft is hard. Facing rejection is hard. Being vulnerable on the page is hard. And dealing with disappointments and detours on your writing journey, it's all hard. Sometimes it's so hard, we are in danger of losing hope ourselves. And that's when you go back to God and His unwavering commitment to us to equip us for his purposes, to sustain us and carry us. Right. Remember those parallel storylines of redemption amidst the fall. We have hope, but sometimes you've got to preach that message to yourself first and foremost, even in the midst of trials. And then do not be afraid of walking through deep valleys with God. Don't run when things get hard. Don't try to hide from the trials because your struggles refine you. They prepare you. They give you purpose and understanding. God does all that through your trials. You can acknowledge struggles and give them voice in your writing. You can write about pain. You expose lies and write truth. And your insights are going to help you both have hope and show hope through the characters in your novels overcoming or through your how-to articles or your personal experience stories, whatever you write, but also through whatever you say, whatever you do, whoever you are. Please understand that it doesn't matter whether you're writing for thousands or just for you and God. In your work, God works in you and it is good. Your labor is never in vain. Your writing turns you into a person who radiates hope. 
true hope for a world bombarded with false hope. The world that's drowning in false hope and needs you doing what you've been gifted to do, being what you've been gifted to be, your hope bringers, your truth tellers, your heralds. We've all heard Jeremiah 20, 11. We've all quoted it all throughout our Christian lives. But friends, listen to it today. Listen to it in the light of knowing that you are a hope bringer because God says to you in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, each one of you, whatever you're writing, whatever you're doing, God knows the plans he has for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Share that hope with your readers. Live that hope with everyone you know. And yes, the future can and will be better than today. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.